You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody. This is Matt, and today we're going to be talking all about horseshoeing. And did you know that today, the day this episode is coming out, is the last day of National Farriers Week? I didn't know that, but neither did my guest, who is a farrier, so fair game. But we're going to be having a gentleman on today who's a horseshoer in the Treasure Valley of Idaho, and he's going to be talking all about what you need to do to work well with your horseshoer to take care of your horse's hoof health and talking about feed, talking about different options for you if you're taking your horses into the backcountry for emergency shoe replacement, things like that. Just basically overall information for you if you are going to have horses and going to be using them, how frequently should you get them taken care of, what is it, a little inside baseball, what is it that horseshoers like, what is it they don't like when it comes to the horses they're working with and how you can make life easier for them and thus have a great relationship with your horseshoer. So I hope you enjoy this episode and getting a lot of great information from our guest who's coming on today to talk all about that. Well, joining me today is Ryan Powell of Ryan Powell Horseshoeing. He is the owner of his self-titled business from Marsing, Idaho, and we're going to be talking all about horseshoeing and being a farrier and right here at the end of uh, the last day of National Farriers Week. So Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming by. I know you've been super busy and working out in this, these hot temperatures, but I uh, appreciate you taking the time to come by and speak to me and talk to our customers all about this, or excuse me, our listeners all about this, and kind of give them some information that's probably sorely needed. So really do appreciate it. You bet. All right. Well, you know how I like to start off is, is just to kind of ask you about your background. You know, what led you into being a horseshoer? What's your history and, and how long have you been doing this? I've been doing it probably, you know, 25, 28 years. I was raised on a ranch in California where my grandfather and my dad worked. And uh, obviously, shoeing horses was a necessity. So it's just something that, you know, I learned as a young man growing up. And then, you know, as I got older, I learned more. So when I went to college, like I said, my come from a ranching background. So I needed the to save the money Uh instead of having somebody else do it. So that's how I got going. Got it. Okay. Where did you go to college? I went to West Hills Community College down there in California. Okay. And then I went to Cal Poly San Luis for just a little while. Okay. Were you studying agriculture at Cal Poly there? It was actually crop sciences. Okay. As uh, the major they had me in. Is that right? Yeah. Well, that's funny. I've got an animal science degree, but uh, when I was getting ready to finish up college with my animal science degree, it seemed like a lot of the jobs for me were coming from the crop side. So, yeah, yeah it's funny how those things kind of flip-flop, isn't right, it? Right, right. Well, that's great. Being part of agriculture is a lot of fun and, and a really rewarding way to make a living. Right. You know, what I want to do today is start out talking to our listeners who may want to purchase horses who never have or may have just purchased horses and they're learning as they go. We'll kind of start off with some questions that I designed for them and then we'll get into some more advanced stuff for our people who are are kind of veteran horse owners, if that sounds all right. I want to ask you about why horses even need care from horseshoers or from farriers. I mean, obviously they existed without hoof care for many, many thousands of years before we ever created this this job and, and started putting shoes on horses. So what's different today than, than when the horses were evolving? 
the uses of the horses have changed a lot. And, you know, they started shoeing horses actually a long time ago, but as time evolves and the use of horses have changed, the necessity for hoof care became more and more. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's happened is the breeding of horses. Used to see horses with great big feet, and now they're smaller because of the breeding. Mm -hmm. That's one of the main reasons that it's became very important today. And I mean, we have so many horses on small pastures now, too. They're just not getting the the miles on their their hooves they once did, I assume. Well, yeah, a, a lot of the stuff that has to do with the hoof be, is where they come from. Last year, actually, I trimmed uh, Mustangs all summer mm-hmm. for the BLM. And the horses that would come in off the range, you know, they would gather them from fires and what have you. And those horses didn't need it because of the terrain that they were in. The feet were wearing where they needed to be. And you bring a horse down here in the valley and put them in a soft green pasture, it's not going to wear off. They're mm-hmm. not going to break off. They're going to grow and they're going to spread out and get long. I, I guess to start, for, for talking to our prospective horse owner or our new horse owner, uh, should every horse owner, should they be developing a relationship with a horseshoe right off the bat or should they just wait until the first time they need somebody to come out and, and trim or shoe or something like that? Definitely. They need to develop some type of a relationship with somebody as soon as possible. Maybe not prior to buying their horse, but as soon as possible. They need to check with their veterinarian. You know, there's we have great veterinarians around here. Canyon Edge Equine, Dr. Jim Dornkamp, Idaho Equine, mm-hmm. two or three, Kelly Hall over in Middleton, great veterinarians. Check with those guys and, and they'll kind of lead you to some guys that, you know, that do a good job. So uh, it's important then before you need... Let me phrase that a little differently. Before before you have something come up or you, you have an urgent need for a horseshoer right now to develop a relationship, let them kind of get a look at what you have, tell them what they need from you, and that way you can start scheduling things kind of on a regular basis? Exactly. I mean, I'm booked out two or three weeks right now, and a lot of the guys are booked out the same way. You know, I have people call me and say, hey, can you shoe my horse tomorrow? Mm-hmm. No, no, I can't. Or my horse really needs trimmed, really, really needs trimmed. Can you get to him? No, I can't. And so a lot of things that that I see today is uh, people will wait until that last minute and then they can't get anybody. And, you know, it's a regular job for us. We get up every morning and we know where we're going to go. Right. And we can't just go off course Mm -hmm. or we get behind. Yeah, and that's kind of the same thing we did on our farm when we started getting livestock is uh, we developed a relationship with the vet, had the vet out, had the vet look at the place, look at our operation, and that way it really streamlined things when things did come up later. It wasn't the first time we'd ever contacted them. Right. Well, great. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a commercial break, and uh, when we come back, I want to ask you about questions that a new horse owner should be asking their horseshoe the first time they come out. Okay, great, thanks. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at D&B Supply. 
Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite D&B supply. A cowboy's hat can make or break his summer. The right hat gives lots of shade, will last past the first thunderstorm, and is light and breathable so your head won't sweat like your horse does. For quality straw hats, Resistall is the company to hang your hat on. For over 90 years, USA-made Resistall straw hats have given cowboys across the country hats they want to hang on to. Resistall straw cowboy hats, the best all around. Available at your favorite D&B supply. All right, Ryan. Well, I wanted to ask you, so for a new horse owner, uh, they invite uh, a farrier or horseshoer out so they can meet them, they can develop this relationship, and they can get on their schedule so they can get the care they need for their horses. What questions, you know, let's say a prospective horse owner is going to talk to two or three different horseshoers and try and figure out who they want to work with. What questions should that person be asking horseshoers when they're speaking with them? Gosh, that's a hard one. (laughs) you know, so many different people have different ideas. That's mm-hmm. the one thing with horseshoeing is um, you can ask five horseshoers the same question. You're going to get five different answers. You know, as far as asking questions, I, I really don't have a good answer for that. The best thing I can say is you have somebody come over there and like we talked earlier, maybe you've gotten a phone number of that horseshoer from a veterinarian mm-hmm. and you let him do your horse the first time. And if you're happy, then you continue. And if you're not, then say, Hey, you know, it's not going to work for me or call the vet and say, Hey, I I didn't really like the way this went down. Mm -hmm. So, or Hey, that guy did a great job. Thanks for sure. Thanks for having him. So that recommendation from the veterinarian is going to be pretty important. That's pretty important. It just makes sense that vets who are working with horses, they're going to have a few people that they're going to recommend that they trust to, to work on the, the hooves of those horses. Well, sure, because the veterinarians have different ideas about different things as well. Mm-hmm. There's nothing set in stone usually in this business. So if that veterinarian gives your name out, he's trust what your, your knowledge, he trusts us. Well, that's good to know. And that's really good advice. Now, what should a horse owner be expecting to pay for service from someone like yourself or from a horseshoe? That depends on what that person wants from you. Do they want you to trim their horse? Do they want you to put front shoes and no back shoes, you know, on their horse? Do they want pads? Do they want aluminums? It's a wide range of things to do. So it's going to depend on what they ask you to do. But you're looking you're looking at about a flat rate of a f- shoe job today around $100. And you're looking around forty-five to fifty dollars for a, for a, just a trim, and that's going to be per horse. And that's going to be per horse. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. And and it's not uncommon to see those prices raised by about five dollars every year or two. You know, just with the inflation, the cost of fuel, the cost of supplies and materials. And once you get on the schedule with a horseshoer, how frequently should you be expecting to have this done and to be paying this bill? It depends on the discipline of the horse. Performance horses, uh, rodeo horses that I do, barrel racing horses, team roping horses, you know, performance horses are usually every six weeks. Some of them you can stretch it out to seven or eight, but Mm -hmm. commonly a six-week schedule 
is pretty normal for a performance horse. Now, a trail riding horse, you can go eight weeks fairly easy. A lot of the horse's soundness depends on how often as well. If that horse has got a great foundation, good feet, no lameness issues, like I said, we're right in that range. But there are some horses that if they grow just a little bit of extra toe, they might need to go at five weeks. Okay. So it just depends on the discipline and depend on the soundness and the horse. So again, this is probably one of those things that you're going to have to get started doing to determine because there's so many variables that are going to factor into how fast they're growing versus what you're doing with them and nutrition and all of that. Exactly. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take another commercial break. When we come back, I want to ask you some more about nutrition. Great. D&B knows that life in the West is defined by hard work, innovation, and constant improvement. These values made the West what it is today. And these are the values that have made Wrangler the defining Western brand since 1947. Wrangler apparel is designed to feel good in the saddle, look sharp at the rodeo, and work hard on the ranch. That's why Wrangler fits with classic Western heritage like a boot in a stirrup. For clothing that's a good value and steeped in western values stock up on wrangler at your favorite dnb supply a well-worn pair of danner boots has become a hallmark for hard-working and hard-playing people in the west and everywhere else for that matter find your next pair of long-lasting great-looking made-in-the-usa danner boots at dnb supply hold a danner boot in your hand and you'll notice the handcrafted precision try it on and you'll feel the difference test it against the elements and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last from classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion forward looks to fit your daily life stop on by dnb supply to try danner boots on for size all right ryan well now that we're back i wanted to ask you more about uh nutrition and specifically for hooves so when you're meeting with a horse owner for the first time or they're becoming your client what do you tell them about nutrition when it comes to the horse's hoof you know there's different supplements all over the place different brands you know different makers and each of them are probably really good a good balanced diet is the just the best thing for a horse's foot the one thing about horses feet and the care of them that a lot of people don't understand is and and this is how i reference it to a lot of people the horse's feet are the foundation Mm -hmm. they're the whole foundation of that whole horse and just like a home if you build a home on a foundation that's not really good in time that that's gonna fall down and so if you don't keep that horse's foundation really good Mm -hmm. and correct you're going to lose that horse at one point or another and it could be sooner than later so to answer your question uh, nutrition is huge in uh, hoof care just a good balanced diet and once again depending upon the discipline of your horse you're going to feed them you know grain them different Mm-hmm. there's grains to keep them maintained to where they just look good and they feel good. And there's mm-hmm. grains to make them hot and where they really want to, you know, crawl out of their skin and run mm-hmm. or, you know, just good alfalfa grass. hay. Mm-hmm. so my horses are on alfalfa grass. hay today and in the summertime, like right now when I'm rodeoing, they're on a grain supplement. Excellent. Now along those same lines, if a horse owner has problems with thin hoof walls, cracking, chipping, stuff like that, is there anything they can do nutritionally to take care of that? There's different supplements out there, different supplements to make the foot grow, produce more foot. But that's a question for your veterinarian. 
Okay. You know, say, hey, I've had trouble with this horse. You know, this is what's happening. What do I do? And he's going to analyze it and he's going to say, you know, let's try this. Okay. That's the best advice that I have for that. And is that something that a horse owner is going to notice on their own or is it going to be you or another horseshoer that comes to them and says, hey, you've, you've got an issue here, you know, with, with the hoof walls of, your, of this horse? It's going to depend on the knowledge of the person, of the horse owner. Mm-hmm. But probably your horseshoer is going to say, hey, we're starting to develop a problem here. We have a problem. Or when I show up the first time, I'm going to say, hey, we need to change something here. Okay. And some things you can change and some things you can't. So that's just something that, you know, where myself as a horseshoer or farrier consults with a vet and we come up with a plan that we try and see if it works. Along these same lines then in looking at the foot health or the hoof health of the horse for somebody who's a new horse owner who's not on them a lot who's not you know competing in rodeos or something like that what should they be looking for how can they tell when their horse is lame or or when there's some injury there well obviously by looking at their horse each and every day they can't talk obviously (laughs) they can't tell you i'm i'm hurting i'm this or i'm that Mm -hmm. so you know you watch for cuts and scrapes and things like that and then when a horse is sore they're gonna they'll bob their head they'll you know and it's a lot of times it's really hard to see what foot he's lame in where he's sore at once again goes back to your veterinarian Mm -hmm. and sometimes they'll just stand there and they'll point or they'll do something Mm -hmm. so until you get some pictures some x-rays or something like that you're not going to figure it out yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. I've uh, So I worked at a feedlot for a while as herdsman on a ranch, and we, we had a feedlot, and we did a big bull test. And so I was out feeding these, these yearling bulls every day, looking at these bulls every single day. And you really developed, I don't know if it's an instinct or an eye or something like that, but you're seeing this, you know, these hundreds of bulls every day. And then all of a sudden, one jumps out to you. And it's nothing obvious. It's just that, for some reason, that bull jumps out to you and, and you're looking at it and you're going, something's not right. So you run it in and sure enough, it's got a, you know, a high fever or something like that. And there's something going on with it and you got to diagnose it and you got to get it treated for a person who owns horses. If they're out there looking at their horses every day, will they develop kind of that sense where one day for some reason they'll look at one of their horses and they'll go, something's not right here. Something just doesn't feel right. And if that's the case, should they start following their gut instinct and kind of honing in and, and trying to determine if there is a problem? Most definitely. I tell you, you take a, a little girl that's, whether she does Jim Canna or she just rides her horse for pleasure or high school rodeos or whatever she does on that horse, mm-hmm. that little girl's going to know immediately when she walks out there in the morning that something's wrong with her horse. Mm-hmm. Those people like that really pay attention. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you, you're going to develop that eye that you're talking about. Yeah. And- I look at my horses every single day, and if anything's off with any of them, I know it immediately. The thing I really had to teach myself when I was doing that is if something jumped out to me, if something just felt off about a bull I was looking at, then I needed to trust that. Not second guess myself, not go, oh no, that's just you making it up in your head. No, for some reason, that one stood out to you. Dig into it, investigate it a little bit. For sure. Well, now I wanted to ask you this. So when it comes to you working with a horse owner or other horseshoers working with a, with a horse owner, what is the, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, the minimum setup that a new horse owner needs to have so that you can do your work effectively when you're on their property? 
One thing that really helps us out a lot is having a, a flat place to shoe horses, whether it be on concrete or asphalt or even dirt, as long as it's flat and not a bunch of weeds or something growing up and a good place to tie a horse. There's a lot of times I show up to some place, especially my older customers that have jobs. So, you know, they know I'm going to be there that mm-hmm. day. I know what I'm supposed to do. I show up and I shoe them. But obviously, if it's somebody new, I'm not just going to show up and do this horse until I've developed a relationship with that person. Right. So, you know, just a, a nice, clean, flat place, a good, solid place to tie a horse to is usually pretty good for us. What about uh, electrical outlets or things like that? Do you need that? It helps. It helps a lot. Some of us got generators on our trucks or our trailers, but yeah, there's times when we need to grind on shoes, you know, just to roll one or different things that we need power for sometimes. So yeah, it, it helps. Is it a necessity? No. Okay. But it helps. All right. I'll tell you what, let's take another commercial break. And then I got a few more questions for you about uh, how, how all of us can make life easier for you. Great. Know when they say good fences make good neighbors? When you've got Balin Country Gates and Panels to really fence your livestock in. Also, when you let your neighbor in on the great deals you can find on Balin Country at D&B. Made from steel and designed for stamina, Balin Country Gates and Panels are tested to match up to robust ranch life. So instead of mending all those fences, round up a whole new one with Balin Country at D&B Supply. If you think buzzing insects are annoying, just think about your horses. Without arms to swing and swat with, flies and gnats can land right in their eyes and ears, leading to sores, infections, and even allergic reactions. So this summer, protect your horses with Dervet Fly Control Masks from D&B Supply. Dervet Fly Control Masks keep a horse's eyes fresh and clean, preventing infections and improving vision for your noble steed. Dervet Fly Control Masks, available with and without ear protection at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Ryan. Well, here's another question about how horse owners can make life easier for you. And I'm thinking specifically about flies. I mean, there's horse flies, there's flies on horses. Is there anything a horse owner can do so when you're working with their horses, you're not constantly being pestered by these things? You know, if that horse has been sprayed off, you know, fly spray or something to try to help with the flies and stuff, great. It's pretty annoying as a horseshoer when you've got a horse that won't stand there and let you shoe them. Mm-hmm. Won't stand there and let you do your job. And that's that's one thing that we see in our business a lot is, for lack of a better word, spoiled horses. Okay. When I get under one, I'm there to put shoes on his feet. I'm not there to train him to stand there. The biggest thing that a person, a horse owner, can do to help us is pick those feet up all the time and hold them up. You know, a lot of people say, well, I pick his feet up. I clean his feet. Well, that takes all of about five seconds. Mm-hmm. So when we get under there and we're pulling shoes off and when we're trimming and we're rasping and we're shaping our shoes and going back and checking and that horse is throwing a fit, jerking his feet from us and pulling away and wanting to walk off, that's what irritates us. Okay. That's what irritates us. And and I understand that it's not a perfect world. You know, it's, it's not like going into an office job where everything's just out there on your desk and you're going to go to work and it's not going to kick your... <laughs> right you know, jerk you down or something like that. That's a risk that we take each and every day. But the more that person works with their horse, the better it is for us. Okay. Yeah. So be working with your horses, make it easier on your, sure. on your horse. And here. ask your, ask your farrier, Hey, what can I do to make this horse, you know, act better? So that's the biggest 
thing that people can do to help us. Well, now let me ask you a follow-up question on that then. So if somebody does have a poorly behaved horse, most horseshoers are going to tell them or are they going to, they going to bite their lip to try and not upset the customer? Most horseshoers are going to probably try to get through this, but they're probably not going to come back. So that's an important thing to note then for people as they're getting into this is that work with your horses. Work with your horses and man, don't just be, don't pick out the first horse you see. You know, ask that person, when you try a horse out, ask them, what's he like to shoe? Pick their feet up because it goes right back to what we talked about earlier in the show. If that horse has a bad foundation, Mm -hmm. if you can't get under his and work on his feet and do a good job, then at one point or another, stuff's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. So you spent your money on something that you're not going to get the longevity out of it if you can't maintain him. And there's none of us out there today that want to go to a wrestling match every day. <laughs> you know, I shot eight head of horses today and they were all really good. Mm-hmm. That's what I do every day. Mm-hmm. And so to have one that pulls on me and jerks on me or tries to kick me, even if I shot it for $200, it's not worth it. Well, it's probably going to take you a ton more time to get it done, too. Well, it takes you a ton more time, and it wears your body down more and mm-hmm. more. And so, you know, I got a guy that works for me, and we did eight head today, and I was ready to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, eight to ten head, and I feel at that point that I'm doing a good job mm-hmm. on all of them. Much okay. more than that, we're tired. Yeah. I mean, it's a physical job. Yeah. And that's with them just standing there. And helping us and, and wanting, you know, letting us do our job. When we got to wrestle them, it's not very good. So I guess to uh, sum that deal up, the one thing that I would probably tell that person if I showed up and their horse wasn't very good, mm-hmm. I would say, let's call a veterinarian here to come over here and sedate this horse where I can shoe him. And if you're not down with that, then you probably need to look for somebody else. Sure. So brutally honest, but that's probably something that really needs to be said. Exactly. Well, you brought up the fact that between chewing, so six to eight weeks or whatever, however it works out, that the owner needs to be lifting the feet, working with the horse. What else should an owner be doing for the hoof health of their horse between chewings? You know, there's different things that they can, Corona makes a product that they can paint on their feet. One thing that in this particular area that we see a lot is there's a lot of little pastures up here, a Mm -hmm. lot of irrigation up here. Mm -hmm. And so a a foot is just like a sponge. So it's going to be on dry and it's going to be hard and tight. And then those people turn the horses out when they irrigate and they're standing in three inches of water. Well, now those feet are absorbing all that moisture and getting soft, Mm -hmm. expanding and contracting. So one thing that we see today is we'll shoe a horse and the people will go turn him out and that foot's going to expand and contract, expand and contract. Mm -hmm. Well, then it's popping on our clinches. It's harder, makes it harder to keep shoes on for one thing. But the other thing that that will start to cause cracks. Mm -hmm. I like to see my people pull their horses in while they're irrigating, you know, at least so they're not standing. They can irrigate today and, and once that water absorbs into the ground, turn them back out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But it's hard on them to be standing in water, then dry. Standing in water, then dry. 
Now, let's take our last commercial break. Then when we come back, I want to ask you about uh, taking them hunting, taking them trail riding, and, and stuff like that. Okay, great. There's more to being a cowboy or cowgirl than hard work on the ranch. Part of the cowboy lifestyle is hitting the town in your nicest hat and boots and dancing till dawn with your best guy or gal. At D&B, we supply it all, including comfortable, stylish boots from Dan Post. Dan Post boots are known for their handcrafted cushion comfort without sacrificing design and style, making them perfect for long, fun summer nights. Come find a pair of Dan Post boots today at your favorite D&B supply. Know what looks good with a cowboy hat, panhandle western apparel, and rock and roll denim available at D&B Supply. Over 70 years ago, Panhandle started putting snaps on their popular gambler-style shirt and soon became a runaway hit with cowboys and cowgirls everywhere. In the 21st century, they formed Rock and Roll Denim too, with fashion-forward looks and high-class jeans that fit any style. With designs both classic and fresh, get decked out for life in the West with Panhandle shirts and Rock and Roll Denim at D&B. All right, Ryan. So for the person who's going to be taking their horse out hunting, this fall, or they're going to be doing long trail rides or pack trips this summer, and that's why they got horses. They're going to get way back out there where they're not going to have phone coverage. They're not going to have any help or anything like that. What should those people be taking with them on those trips? What should they be able to know how to do? So if something goes wrong with their horse's hooves while they're in the backcountry, they can get that horse back out without doing any permanent damage or something like that. They make boots today. They call them easy ride or soft ride boots. They make a variety of different boots that they can pack in their pack. Mm -hmm. And if a horse should lose a shoe back there, they can at least put that boot on them and, you know, get them back out. They can ride them with those boots on. The one thing that is important with that is getting the right size boot for that particular horse. Okay. You know, they can't have one that's, you know, too small or too big. It's not going to work. Okay. As far as, you know, taking the stuff to nail a shoe back on, man, that's great if you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But if just a a deal, if that nail's turned wrong and it don't come out the side, Mm -hmm. you're going to hurt that horse way worse, way, way worse internally in that foot Mm -hmm. than you are by just putting a boot on him and going that way. And the one thing that I've experienced here in the past is... uh, I have a guy call me on Wednesday and say, hey, I'm going hunting. I'm leaving Friday night. Can you get my horses shot? Once again, they've not given us any warning. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to go somewhere like that, when we go and trim all the bottom of that horse's foot, you know, we're taking the callus off of there. Mm-hmm. I like to let a horse, you know, be in his natural environment for a week or a week and a half before I take him up into the mountains where there's a bunch of rocks and stuff like that. And, you know, and once again, that depends on um, where they're going. Are they going out there to the desert where it's sandy mm-hmm. and hunting and riding out there? Are they going to the hills where it's rocky? Mm-hmm. You know, all that depends on how long before you should have your horse shod. And is when it comes to those boots for the horses, getting the correct size, is that something that you tell your customers if if they want to know the correct size? Do you determine that for them? Yeah, I mean, we would all be more than happy to say, hey, this horse wears an ought, or this horse wears a one, or whatever size shoe that horse wears. Okay. And then they go to the store, you know, they go down to DMB and they say, my farrier says this horse wears a size ought. What mm-hmm. size boot do I need? What size is an ought? 
Okay. You know, so they might be a five, six, and seven or something like that. So okay. The, the person in that department at the store should know. And, and for somebody who wants to learn some more of these skills, you know, even just putting on a boot or fixing an issue in the backcountry, how would they go about learning that? I, should they take a class? Is there somewhere they go? They just talk to their horseshoer and have them kind of demonstrate a few things. How would they go about that? I think talking to the horseshoer and, you know, saying, hey, what if this happens? What can I do? Okay. And if they're happy with taking that boot or shoot, there's there's things today they can glue shoes on. It's uh, quite a job to glue a shoe on. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that you can have all the stuff that you need up there in the backcountry, I guess. I guess you could, but it's not going to be easy. Sure. Yeah, just consult with your farrier. And that, and that comes with developing a relationship with that guy. And the horse owner might not know, so they might feel uncomfortable saying, hey, what about this? Just don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. In your relationship with your farrier, if you don't feel like you can ask he or she questions, then that's probably not the person for you. Yeah, that's a good point. You need to have that comfort level. Sure. So there's a good exchange of information both ways. Sure. Absolutely. Now, I wanted to ask you, so when you're first getting introduced to a horse that you're going to be working on and you're watching that horse walk and, and you want the customer to, to do things with your horse, what are you looking for? When I show up to a place for the first time or second time and while I'm developing a relationship with the horse owner and the horse, mm-hmm. I want to see how he goes. I want to see if he's what we call sound or if there's an issue that needs to be addressed by a veterinarian. I'm not ever going to make a call as a farrier. Well, we need to do this. This is going to fix it. That's not my job. My job is to put a set of normal shoes on a horse. And if there's any question with lameness mm-hmm. on a horse, that is for the veterinarian to give not only the horse owner, but the farrier what his opinion of what we need to do. Those guys have went to school and put the time and and stuff in. And, you know, like we talked earlier, I've seen a lot of different things. And there's horseshoers that have seen so much more than I have. Right. You know, I I go with a guy right now. Still, every time I get a chance, I go with him and I learn something from him. And it's a continuing education, this whole deal is. Yeah. Yeah. You're never going to know it all. Right. And you got to be open to learning new things. Exactly. All right, so Ryan, let me ask you this. When you're getting ready to trim and place the next set of shoes on a horse, how much are you relying on reading the actual amount of wear on the existing shoes, and what are you looking for, and how do you use that information in deciding how best to shoe the horse? The wear I'm going to look at on a horse's shoe mostly is where they're breaking over. That shoe's going to be worn in one place or another, usually more than another. And once again, it goes back to the discipline of that particular horse. If I'm sending a horse out in the mountains, you know, to on a working cow ranch, those guys might want heel and toes on their horses for more grip. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to shoe a barrel horse, those gals are going to want rims on their horse. So I have a variety of shoes in my trailer mm-hmm. for the different disciplines that I shoe. And the wear, as far as on a horse... Breakover is something that I'm really big on, and that's, you know, that's uh, that's where the horse can put their foot down and not cause a bunch of stress on the rest of their tendons and joints. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look at that. I'm going to look how much toes on that horse if I need to pull it back, and then I'm going to use the best shoe that I have in my trailer 
accordingly. Along the same lines, do horses need to have shoes on them all year long? No. Once again, what's their discipline? Are they going to be a trail horse that people are going to ride in the starting in the spring when the weather gets nice and throughout the summer mm-hmm. and then in the fall when the snow flies they're just pasture ornaments no they don't okay you know they do need to stay maintained they need to be still need to be trimmed at least every six to eight weeks and maintained you know they're not like your your ski boat that hey it's too cold to go skiing now i'm just going to park in the garage or the shop that nutrition is still very important and the maintenance of those horses' feet are very, very important. All right. Now, I wanted to ask you about uh, a couple things that come up that I've read about thrush and white line disease. Are those issues in our area? In our area, uh, the, our listening audience is in eastern Oregon and here in southwestern Idaho. Are those issues here? And if so, what can we do to prevent them? What do we have to do if they come up? Those are issues everywhere. Drier climates, you're going to see a lot less thrush. It's a bacteria it gets in there and deteriorates it eats on their foot mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of stuff on the retail shelf that you can clean those feet out put it on there and it's going to kill that thrush okay the white line disease is the hoof wall separating and a lot of times that's going to be caused from the foot being unbalanced and so it's stretching it's like you uh breaking your fingernail off up into the quick is mm-hmm. what it's kind of like so that's common in everywhere you go. If a horse's foot is really good and balanced, you're probably not going to have that. But if you let your horse go mm-hmm. and don't maintain those feet, if your horse is in a climate and a place that they can break off, you're probably not going to have much issue. But if they're down here in a soft pasture mm-hmm. where, they, where it's not going to break off, soft ground all the time, you're, you're going to have some trouble if okay. you don't maintain that horse's foot. And, and here in our region, are there other causes for concerns when it comes to hoof health that horse owners should be looking for and watching for and, and knowing how to detect? You know, the biggest thing that I see in this area, like I said, is so many horses are on pasture and on dry, on pasture and on dry. And it's no, really, they're no different than us. If, you know, our skin is wet and dry, wet and dry, if we don't moisturize it or something like that we're going to get cracks or Mm -hmm. you know we're going to sunburn we're going to something's going to happen so that's just something to pay attention to you know try to keep them in the most stable environment that you can you know it's not always easy (laughs) it's not always easy and i understand that it's not a perfect science no well, Ryan, this has been great. I really do appreciate all of your expertise and all the information you've given us today. If somebody out there listening would like to contact you, would that be okay with you? And if so, how would you want them to go about doing it? Yeah, um, I'd be happy to try to help anybody that I could. And the people down at DMB, mostly the Caldwell DMB, knows how to get a hold of me. So if they can't get their questions answered there, or if somebody wants to reach out to you, right. uh, they can plug them right in to get in contact yes, with you. Yes, sir. Well, Ryan, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this today. You bet. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. 